My name is Terry Houston. Today's Old Testament reading is from the second book of Kings, chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. Listen for the word of God. Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Aram, was a great man and high and in high favor with his master, because by him the Lord had given victory to Aram. The man, though a mighty warrior, suffered from leprosy. Now the Arameans, on one of their raids, had taken a young girl captive from the land of Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of leprosy. So Naaman went and told his lord what the girl from the land of Israel had said. And the king of Aram said, Go then, I will send along a letter to the king of Israel. He went, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten sets of garments. He brought the letter to the king of Israel, which read, When this letter reaches you, know that I have sent to you my servant Naaman, that you may cure him of his leprosy. When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to give death or life? This man sends word to me to cure a man of, of his leprosy. Just look and see how he's trying to pick a quarrel with me. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent a message to the king. Why have you torn your clothes? Let him come to me, that he may learn that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and halted at the entrance of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored, and you shall be clean. But Naaman became angry and went away, saying, I thought that for me he would surely come out and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, and would have a hand over the spot and cure the leprosy. Are not Abana and Farpar the rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? He turned and went away in rage, but his servants approached and said to him, Father, if the prophet had commanded you to do something difficult, would you not have done it? How much more when all he said to you was wash and be clean? So he went down and immersed himself seven times in the Jordan. According to the word of the man of God, his flesh was restored like the flesh of a young boy, and he was clean. Our gospel reading is from the Good News according to Mark, chapter 1, beginning at verse 4. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, pro proclaiming a baptism of repentance for forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him, and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, The one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee, 
and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens tore apart and the spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son, the beloved, with you I am well pleased. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Let us pray. Come, thou fount of every blessing. By the power of your Holy Spirit, wash over us. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O oh God, our strength, our rock, our redeemer. Amen. So Naaman is a four-star general in the army of Aram, a hostile kingdom next door to Israel. He's a battle-hardened war hero, chest full of medals, and he has his own driver. You know, you get perks when you're a general, that sort of thing. He might find his face on a postage stamp. This guy's a great, as great and powerful as they come, that is, until he catches leprosy a terrible skin disease. A man of great power and prestige, he tries every cure out there. Pharmaceuticals, naturopathy, he visits the Mayo Clinic for experimental treatment, and still nothing. Really, this kind of thing spells the end of his career. This guy is now unclean. He's sick. He's tainted, and his career is toast. Now Naaman and his wife have a young servant girl, a slave, one they'd captured in their war against Israel. And sensing Naaman's despair, this young Israelite servant girl suggests that he go seize Elisha, the prophet in Israel. Elisha, like Elijah before him, is known as a wonder worker, healing diseases, saving sick children. Maybe he's got a cure. Naaman's at the end of his rope, scraping the bottom of the barrel, and he'll try anything. It's like famed atheist biologist Richard Dawkins turning up to the Pope for advice, you know. Really, Israelites are sworn enemies. But you know when you're desperate, you will try just about anything. So Naaman arranges a little sick leave and heads deep into enemy territory, and eventually he's directed to Elijah's house, or Elisha's house, that's confusing, <laughs> down by the Jordan River. He pulls up with a full military entourage, you know, rumbling armored vehicles, kicking up dust, black SUVs, pulling into the driveway. Funny thing, though, Elisha doesn't come out to greet the great man or or his great parade. You know, he just sits in his house and he sends out a messenger. The messenger says, go wash in the Jordan seven times. Your skin will be restored and you'll be made clean. 
So Naaman, he's insulted by this whole thing and stomps away. First, Elisha sends some lame servant, and now he's making him get into the Jordan. Back home in Damascus, we've got rivers that are grand, flowing beautiful things, and you're making me take a bath in this dinky, muddy, little Israelite river. If this guy and his God are so great, he could just wave his hand over the spot to cure me. Do you know who I am? This is insulting. This kind of stuff is below me. Naaman may be terrified and desperate, but what is a man without his pride? Of course, his pride's the problem. And his servants know it, and one's like, look, boss, we all know that if he would have asked you something difficult, like doing 500 push-ups or paying $100,000 of cash, you would have done it, no problem. But all this guy is asking you to do is step into a river, wash, and be clean. I mean, it sounds maybe too easy. Not saying you gotta, but maybe it'd be worth humbling yourself just this once. We won't tell anybody you did this. And so Naaman, obviously convinced, he unstraps his helmet, you know, he tosses off his bulletproof vest, strips off the rest of his clothing, he swallows his pride and steps right into that tiny little muddy Jordan River. Dunks himself seven times as per the prophet's instructions, and wouldn't you know, after the seventh dip, he pops right out of the surface a whole new man. Leprosy's gone, skin healed, as smooth and as healthy as it was when he was a little boy. Literally, it tells us his skin was like a, like a young boy's. Where he was once tainted by disease, now he is washed clean. He's washed clean. Now, this is the first sermon series a sermon in our series, Living Underwater, on baptism as a way of life. This is kind of one of my favorite Old Testament texts, so I just had to share it and preach on it. Well, there's obviously plenty of water here. This isn't an obvious Scripture passage about baptism. This is an Old Testament text that's pre-baptism, baptism being established in the New Testament Gospels where John the baptizer dunks Jesus. On its surface, this is a story about physical healing, the washing away of disease, but there's more going on here under the surface. Pun intended. (laughs) Here's what the fourth century hymn writer and preacher, Ephraim the Syrian, again, you know him, of course, said, Ephraim the Syrian said about this episode with Naaman, and he's preaching on this text. Naaman, he says, Naaman was sent to the Jordan for the only remedy capable to heal a human being. Indeed, sin is the leprosy of the soul, which is not perceived by the senses, but intelligence has proof of it. And human nature must be delivered from this disease by Christ's power, which is hidden in baptism. Human nature must be delivered from this disease by Christ's power, which is hidden in baptism. 
So though this is a pre-baptismal story, many Christian interpreters read this Naaman as a type that he points ahead, prefiguring baptism in the New Testament. It's not only about physical healing, the scrubbing away of disease, his skin restored to childlike fullness and health. It's also about another kind of healing, the cleansing of the human soul from the spiritual sickness we call sin, so our spirits can be reborn by Christ's power hidden in baptism. Now, what do we mean by sin? On one hand, you know, we mean what your, you know, early 20th century Baptist preacher means by sin. (laughs) On one hand, we mean sins, those things we have done and left undone that have harmed us and our neighbors before God, the commandments we've broken or failed to keep, how we've screwed up, caused pain, fallen short, used and abused other people, and left suffering in our wake. We mean our sins in that sense. But it's not only that. Sin is also bigger than us. Sin is the brokenness at the heart of all human life. The Apostle Paul says in his letter to the Romans that, I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. We have the desire to do what is right, he says, but not the ability to carry it out. That's what we call sin. One writer calls it the, quote, human propensity to screw things up. But he doesn't say screw. (laughs) H-P-F-T-U is the shortened version. (laughs) The human propensity to screw things up. Sin is the mysterious force that draws us towards self-centeredness and draws away draws us away from keeping, from loving God with all we've got and our neighbors as ourselves. The language of sickness is very helpful because it's not just an action, but something deeply embedded in our human nature. As individuals, yes, but also as families, as groups, as nations, systems, and as a species. We're all born into a broken world a world that ain't the way it's supposed to be. And we inherit this world's brokenness in ourselves, in our own thoughts, words, and deeds. So, as Naaman soaks in the Jordan, cleansed from head to toe by the power of God, in baptism, we are drenched inside out the spiritual grit accumulated by us in our sins and the power of the sin in the world is swept away by God's grace in Jesus Christ, remaking us, renewing us. As Jesus says, let the little children come to me. 
Now, to be clear, baptism isn't some kind of magical charm or quick cure. That baptism somehow fixes us, makes us perfect people who automatically do right all the time and just can't help doing it, you know. I mean, Hitler, after all, was baptized. And I was baptized as an adult, and I can tell you, I'm certainly not who I ought to be. Often life is two steps forward, one step back. But baptism is what we would call a means of grace, a conduit of God's mercy, that in it we're given God's promises, not in the form of words, but in the tangible form of water. I mean, notice how Elisha didn't just say words or hold his hand over Naaman, but sent him into the river to be cleansed. Baptism is a concrete expression of God's grace. We can touch it, we can feel it, we can drink water. And it happened to us on a date, in the calendar, at a place. And in baptism, we return to the waters over and over and over again as a reminder of God's forgiveness. It's why we fill the font every Sunday before we declare forgiveness, because it's God's grace being poured out over and over and over again, God's power to make us new. And you know, this really hit home for me when a friend of mine was telling me about his experience ministering to the spiritual needs of people going through the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, these are uh, folks who go through the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous are trying to leave alcoholism behind and sometimes trying to leave drug addiction behind. And if you're unfamiliar, the fifth step is admitting to God the higher power to ourselves and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs which we call in the church, confession. (laughs) You have to share a written inventory of all them things that you've done and left undone, also known as your sins. (laughs) And I tell you, from my experience, our souls are caked in a lot of heartbreaking grime. One man who did his fifth step had a fairly normal suburban Canadian childhood. He learned a trade, got married, had kids, but he had a problem, of course, with drinking. Rooted in abuse at the hands of his father, a World War II vet that never came to terms with the suffering he'd experienced in a Soviet prisoner of war camp. He was sort of passing down his own issues to his son. And his son, the man doing the fifth step, was coarse and often abusive to his wife and his kids when he was drinking. And his drinking lost him a couple of jobs and eventually ended his marriage. Two out of three children barely spoke to him anymore and he had a very impressive, a binder full of sins to divulge. This man shared at one point that he was raised Catholic but hadn't darkened the church since he left home. So after this very long confession, 
my friend took in a deep breath. Well, my friend said, and he raised his hands in a hand of blessing. Somewhere in there, he said, you already know this, but I'm just going to repeat the promise that was proclaimed to you in your baptism. As a called and ordained minister of the church of Jesus Christ, and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the forgiveness of all of your sins. And as he said this, my friend said he could feel the energy in his words and through his hands, like he was passing something physical to this person. And the man's eyes instantly welled up. And they sat in silence until the man simply said, Thank you. And then he got up to leave, turned and shook the pastor's hand and said, It felt good. He's wiping his eyes. I feel so much lighter. You know, he said, this is going to sound kind of weird, but it felt like warm water when you said that. Like, I could feel it on my face. It felt like warm water. Of course, it wasn't weird at all. It felt like warm water because it kind of was. Because the same promise that washed over him when he was just a little baby flooded back. That same forgiveness. Like Naaman in the Jordan, the words washed over him, exposing the child underneath the new healed person underneath his own suffering and wrongdoing. This is my beloved child with whom I am well pleased. Like warm water. Baptism means forgiveness. And it means healing. At the font, we are spiritually washed and made clean, remade and renewed. In baptism, we are flooded by grace, like the Jordan cleanses Naaman's outward disease. Baptism represents the inward cleansing of our souls by God in Christ. It's a promise that we return to again and again and again for the sake of our ongoing healing. So, friends, whether you were baptized as a baby, 
as a teenager or the age of 92. Well, the oldest I've done is 75, but that's, that's getting, getting up there, right? If you have yet to be baptized, but long for the new life it gives, let these words wash over you like warm water. In Christ, your sins, all of them, all of the things you have done and left undone in Christ, they are forgiven. Washed away like Naaman's sevenfold dip into the Jordan. Nothing you've done to deserve or earn it, it is a free gift. Washed away by grace, by Christ's blood shed on the cross for you and for all. And as Noah's flood washed the earth and as the Egyptian armies were drowned in the parting of the Red Sea, it's the drowning of all the forces opposed to life and love so newness can emerge. God's creation is mended and healed for good, including us. A new creation is on its way. A new creation is on its way. So every time you wash your face, every time you bathe your kids, every time you walk by this font, remember this truth. And may it change you. Amen.
please remain standing as we, uh, recipients of God's grace, present ourselves